With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, welcome to the Sumer Sports Show, episode 108. I'm trying to think of famous number eight. Obviously, we have Aaron Rodgers uh, sitting on the uh, uh, on the uh, hospital bed currently. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of great number eights, of course. Uh, you you know, uh, NFL quarterbacks, some thinking Kirk Cousins, guys like that. Uh, a fun a fun uh, number certainly to go through. Um, for this Friday episode, I think I'm going to run through the games. I do want to go through some things that we have talked about at uh, Sumer Sports uh, over the past uh, week or so. It's been a really, really fun uh, NFL NFL week so far. But before I do that, if any of you are interested in football analytics at all, my book, along with Richard Erickson, one of my best friends, Football Analytics with Python and R, is available wherever you get your books. Uh, a lot of great reviews so far about people. If you are at all interested in football analytics and want to get a start in a very gentle introductory way, that is the book to do it with. Like I said, football analytics with Python and R, Eric Eager, Richard Erickson. Uh, a couple blurbs here, by the way, in the back, one by uh, John Park, uh, who runs analytics for the Dallas Cowboys. Another one from John Taramina, who did so at the Atlanta Falcons uh, and, and at True Media as well. So this is uh, uh, you know, my way of you know answering that email that I've gotten a million times before, which is, hey, where do I start? Well, start there. Uh, it's a great place to start. We already have some cool people in the chat here. Bad Gravity, how is the chat? Uh, how's it going, chat? Beat Gamer 99 with us almost every single show. The NFL gambling policy, huge win for the league and the players. Uh, and Ryan Nelson, our Lions are for real. I do, let, let's briefly talk about last night's game um, because it's funny, I... Going into the year, I thought that it was the the hype on the Lions was it grew and 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 granted, like I could be one of the reasons for this. Last year, I was talking about restoring the roar, win total open six, close seven, uh, four to one. I had a lot, you know, back when I was betting before I joined Sumer, I had a four to one on the Lions to make the playoffs. That of course didn't work, but a lot a lot was won on win totals, alt win totals, and stuff like that for Detroit. 
They opened up this year with a win total of nine and a half. Uh, and everybody else in that division, Vikings were at eight and a half. Packers and Bears were seven and a half. Um, I think it's very cute that the market was overestimating Chicago, big market team with a young, exciting quarterback. They didn't take into account a lot of things. And so Chicago sits at 0 and 3. Minnesota, look, the Minnesota is the same team they always have been. They're a little weaker roster wise for sure. Defense is not anywhere close to where they were in the NFC Championship game days of 2017 or 18 or 19, but they have a they're not much worse defensively than they have been over the past three, four years. Uh, offense is actually, you know, doing very well. Kirk Cousins might set the pack, passing record this year in terms of yards if he were to stay with the team. Um, but they got into three one-score games, and by the very nature of it, uh, they are, have gone 0-3 uh, after winning 11 straight one-score games last year. Uh, they've lost four straight, including the playoff game last year. So, when I looked at Detroit, though, I thought Green Bay was maybe more of an eight and a half, nine win team. I thought Detroit was also more of a nine win team. So the market was a little bit bullish on them relative to where I was. They go to Kansas City opening night. And I think a lot of sharp people looked at that game and said, look, the offense wasn't actually that good. Um, they got lucky with the pick six for Brian Branch. And um, and they snuck out of there with a win. Go to Seattle. They get a little bit banged up or sorry, Seattle comes there, they get a little bit banged up. They lose a game in overtime. They probably should have won, frankly, if Goff doesn't throw a pick six and, and Goff hits uh, the deep shot at the end of the game when they were going for a field goal. And, and if they were to score a touchdown there, they'd be 4-0 right now. Um, Kelsey was also out as beat gamer says, beat gamer 99, huge for Detroit in that game. But then, so anyway, so a lot of professional money came in on Atlanta last week in Detroit. Detroit was kind of a four and a half point favorite for, on the opener, you look ahead, got all the way bet down to about three and a lot of professional money on Atlanta. And I understand why Atlanta's terrific as far as like controlling the game, line of scrimmage, running game. And if Desmond Ritter was able to do a, a minimal amount of quarterbacking, uh, they could be a good team. Uh, he obviously can't because everybody who told us he was good was wrong. But anyway, he, you know, the Lions had a very, very wire to wire professional win last week against Atlanta at home. They go on the road to Green Bay. Now, Green Bay, again, beat the hell out of Chicago in week one. Uh, you know, kind of controlled the Atlanta game despite being without Bakhtiari, Jones, and Watson. Uh, lost that game at the very end. Um, then go and then have the kind of exact opposite game at home against New Orleans. They get down 17-0. Uh, New Orleans quarterback Derek Carr gets hurt. They come back. They do the go for two. Uh, down uh, eight, uh, they executed perfectly. Missed field goal by New Orleans. They win. They're two and one. And so when when things got opened up back on Thursday, Detroit was anywhere from a one to one and a half point favorite on the road against Green Bay. A lot of professionals that I knew really liked the Green Bay Packers in that spot, money line spread. But there was obviously opinions that also like Detroit respected opinions because that game closed too after the injuries uh, to Bakhtiari and Jair Alexander meant that they were going to miss the game and injuries to Taylor Decker meant that he wasn't going. And, and David Montgomery, who ended up being a very instrumental part last night, um, didn't uh, didn't miss the game. It ultimately swung in Detroit's favor. And after an early interception by Goff, Detroit basically you know controlled it. Goff averaged point, uh, 0.07 uh, EPA per pass. Contract that, contrast that with Jordan Love, negative 0.25 EPA per pass. Some of that was interceptions. Some of that was just ineffective play, a lot of sacks. 
And I think you have to conclude now, after four weeks, especially considering how good Kansas City's defense has ended up being, right? Surrendering just nine points to Jacksonville, just 10 points to the Bears, in addition to just 14 from Detroit, that Detroit's a good, like, adjust for everything. Detroit's a pr pretty good ball club. And, and, and I think, you know, very much a favorite in that division, very much a team that you have to, I think, consider after, you know, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Dallas, maybe in that order, maybe, I, I, you know, Philadelphia hasn't been that impressive relative um, to expectations, but, um, but yeah, so you go San Francisco, Philadelphia, Dallas, I think Detroit and, and Seattle were always those four or five teams for me. Seattle hicked up in the first game of the season against the Los Angeles Rams, um, but have been pretty good since beating Detroit and, of course, beating Carolina and other defense. Couldn't stop Andy Dalton to save, a, save their lives, but at least that was a professional win by them. I'm going to talk about Seattle, I think, later in the show um, because I think that that game is a little bit mispriced, uh, a relative, you know, the market price for, for Seattle. At least it was back when they were underdogs earlier. So I think you have to consider Detroit the fourth best team in the NFC, and I don't think you – are that far off if you think the gap between them, Dallas, and Philadelphia, at least, is not that big. San Francisco, to me right now, is a little bit of a distance between everybody else. Um, but I think Detroit is inching in on that second tier in the NFC, which which is incredible given where they were. I mean, it took – they got their third win in week four this year. It took them all the way until week – if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, they were three and six. So that took them all the way to week 10 last year. It took them all the way to week 18 against a Green Bay team that was resting their starters in the second half for Dan Campbell to get his third win in year one of that regime. So just a, a round of applause for, for how good they are. Um, some, some comments in the chat here, Ryan says, Goff is not a force multiplier, but he has shown repeatedly, if you surround him with very quality pieces and creative play call, you can run a high end offense. I think that's a perfectly said about Goff. I don't think you can win with him if he's surrounded by a bad collection of players but evidently i mean brian ben johnson has, has done terrific work and and granted and i'll also say this and i think a lot of like the ball knower film people you know who told you desmond ritter was good tell you golf isn't good i think i don't think that they really appreciate how much confidence golf has when the structure's there like there's there's something about of course you need structure but i could be in my i could be in my chair uh, two bourbons deep and not be as comfortable as Jared Goff throwing off play action. So I think there's some tangible things, intangible things that Goff does that it makes him a winner. And that's what there's a reason why he's won with both of the franchises had, despite his very limitations. Um, Laporta looks promising. Yeah, we talked about this on the Sumer Sports Show Wednesday. The three of the top four tight ends in the NFL in terms of receiving yards right now are all from Iowa. Laporta seems to be the next uh, big one here. Um, Dan, good bet here. You took money line with Detroit. Uh, very good bet as as well. And Ma, uh, Mass here says Goff is at his best when the run game is going. Stopping the run is instrumental to stopping the Lions. I I agree. Now Montgomery was very much a singles hitter last night, and it worked. Like uh, a lot of success rate, forty eight percent success rate on the ground for him. Um, only averaged less than four yards a carry, but a lot of that was because some of the short yardage plays he had were effective, if not they weren't big yardage plays. A, a very masterful effort by the Lions. The Packers, look, I'm still high on the Packers. I still think they'll go over the win total. I'm I'm kind of probably out on them winning that division now that they're a game back um, with a tie with with both without the tiebreaker. Um, but it, some of the things, and and I've I've sung the praises of Matt Lafleur on this podcast a lot. 
and I know Keyshawn Nixon was a pro bowler last year, uh, uh, all pro last year, frankly. Um, you can't do what they did on special teams last night and come back and, and tell me you're trying to win. Um, they dropped about 45 points or sorry, 45 yards on kick returns that they could have simply fair caught. And again, the NFL is just handing you these yards and you're trying to take them. You can't tell me Jordan Love is so bad that you need the threat of a return touchdown and every single return. And, and, and frankly, if he is that bad, I want him starting at the 25 and not the 11 after a holding penalty. So I thought that that game, again, as much as I like Matt LaFleur, and I think he's done terrific things. I think he does a lot to help Jordan Love win. Um, Last night he was, it was, you know, uh, Detroit was very much the better coach team. And I, and I don't think it was particularly close. Um, beat gamer is a really good point here. This is, you know, if you go to my week one column, uh, I was selling the idea of positionless players. Jameer Gibbs is truly a positionless player. So much he does to see the field. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, look, if there was a positionless, if there was a way to win positionless football, and I know Kyle Hamilton had three sacks the other day, and I know it's easier defensively, even though I don't think Kyle Hamilton's positionless either, because I think if you put him at free safety, I don't know if he's going to be that effective. I think if you put him in the box as like a, as anything other than like kind of a slot nickel guy, I don't think he's, I think he's good at the slot position where he can cover tight ends and slot receivers and blitz. I don't think he's positionless. I think he's good at one thing uh, and, 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 and such. And that's why the Ravens, who are a very smart franchise, have put them there. So that's my recap of the game um, this week. Obviously, keep it up in the chat. You guys are awesome. Um, would love more of your opinions. Um, let's let's move on to Sunday. I don't want to go through like every game, um, but let me let me just talk about some of the games that I, I think uh, have some compelling interest. The Falcons and, and Jaguars. I don't know about any of you. I absolutely adore. I love the the. the um, I love the London games. I can't get enough of the London games. I love the 930 games. I love being able to wake. And again, some of you guys are Premier League fans or soccer fans, and you're, you're used to this. It's like the same exact thing. But like, I like waking up and just having a standalone game. And, you know, back when I was gambling, it'd be like, it would set the tone for the whole game. If you won, great. If you didn't, you know, you were, you were reeling, you were, you were, uh, you were trying to catch up with sometimes is as, as, as exhilarating as, as winning in the first place. But, um, this one, I made the game three. It is three. Uh, I gave half a point of home field advantage to Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville, again, this is Trevor Lawrence. A lot of people will talk about Trevor Lawrence in terms of PFF grade, in terms of like the charting that Derek Lawson does. All those, all those things. I'm, I'm very, um, uh, you know, sympathetic to the idea that Trevor Lawrence is uh, doing really well, and the rest of the team is letting him down. Be that as it may, like I don't know where the cavalry is coming for the Jags. Like they'll get Cam Robinson back that should help. Um, but their receivers are their receivers. I know Zay Jones is out now, but like Calvin Ridley and and Christian Kirk should be enough if you're that good of a quarterback. Uh, Evan Ingram, of course, as well. ETN and Bigsby in the backfield. It should be better than that. And then defensively, like they're not getting any better. They're a bad defense. They're going to be a bad defense all season. So I don't really know if there's a way in which um, – we can, you know, do anything other than, uh, um, and we can do anything other than, uh, you know, look at Jacksonville and just say, look, that's going to be a grind for them for sure. Um, so I don't know. I made the game three. I'm interested to see how Desmond Ritter, how the, well, frankly, I'm interested in the whole world seeing Desmond Ritter. Um, again, we were told, and I don't 
whatever. But we were told things before the draft, like if you don't see a lot of potential in Desmond Ritter, you don't know what you're, what you're looking for in quarterbacks. And I got to be honest with you, I, I was selling that idea the whole time. And I think like he's obviously been able to hide behind noon games uh, central time. Uh, for the first three weeks, it'll be interesting to see what once he's playing now early in the day, uh, early in the morning. Sorry, um, what is what's what's going to become of him? I actually don't disagree with this from Ryan. Put in Heineke, like this Falcons team. When you look at strength of schedule, easiest schedule remaining. If you look at SumerSports.com uh, and look at the team page, uh, the league table page, easiest schedule moving forward. Um, yeah, you, you probably have to eventually think of Heineke if you don't get a viable quarterback play. Um, from Ritter because this team could win 10 games uh, simply by showing up. Uh, and and if they don't, then you really have to wonder about, um, you know, that you want that regime. I want that regime to do well. And so uh, I'm, I would be I would be happy to see them have success. But I think that they have to change the quarterback. Um, yeah. Uh, Beat Gamer said made a really good point, but Desmond Ritter wins in college on a really good team. Pablo uh, Andres says, love the podcast. Thank you, Pablo. I, I do want to address this. When Desmond Ritter got his shot to play a Power Five team in a uh, NCAA playoff game, he had 40 dropbacks. Ten of them resulted in either a sack or a ball batted at the line. I just don't think he processes the game fast enough to be an actual NFL quarterback. Um, let's look at some other games. Uh, Vikings Panthers. That game's at minus four now. The Vikings are minus four, minus one fourteen on Pinnacle. Uh, the probably Pinnacle and Circa, the two best sports book in sports books in North America. Um, the Vikings were minus two and a half on the look ahead. They've taken nothing but money um, all the way out. And the over has taken money as well. Makes sense. Uh, Panthers once had a great defense. Now with all the injuries, uh, it's not going to be such. And even if they were a great defense, the Vikings offense has been phenomenal this season. And that was one of part of my handicap was this could be a great offense. Uh, the defense is going to be a problem. Bryce Young looks like he's going to play, which I do think uh, favors Minnesota relative to Andy Dalton. Um, and, and and if betters want to lay the points again with Minnesota, I think that they're going to be more sure of themselves um, in against Bryce Young. They would be Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton around this time last year in a Minnesota-New Orleans game, again, on uh, in London, uh, was able to at least cover the number uh, because of a, a, a furious um, – stretch of plays you know i think they backdoored that and then the vikings won with the field goal at the end uh but dalton was dalton's been effective he was effective last week i i think obviously if you're carolina you have to play young because he's your pick um but uh but for the purposes of who's gonna win this game i think it's a little bit better um to be playing uh andy dalton um washington philly uh, you know this thing has moved out from seven and a half to eight and a half or so people are betting the eagles Eagles off a short rest, but Washington really struggled. Again, one of the things we talked about on Wednesday's version of the Sumer Sports Show um, was, you know, this sack versus sack rate versus, you know, sack avoidance metrics versus accuracy metrics. Sam Howell, terrific accuracy-wise uh, at times in college, has always been a high pressure to sack conversion guy. And he, we've avoided it the first few weeks, avoided the, the negatives of it. They were 2-0. and uh, they moved the ball okay, especially against Denver. Now we know that how much that really means, though, after Denver gave up 70 to, to Miami. Um, but it, against Buffalo, it was awful. He took nine sacks, um, and uh, there really was no answer to the pressure that Buffalo was putting on them. And that's unfortunate, of course, 
but uh, yeah, I, I think, um, look at this game. I don't really you know have much of an opinion. I don't think it'll be all that much fun. New Orleans now minus three and a half against Tampa Bay. This was a flat, a flat-ish, not flat, but like a expensive three for a while. It looks like Derek, uh, Derek Carr is going to at least be questionable to play. I don't think him and Winston are all that much different, especially if Carr is hurt. But I do think Tampa Bay, the 2-0 start has kind of clouded our eyes a little bit on them. They were thoroughly manhandled on Monday by an Eagles team I don't think is at top form right now. So I, you know, if any, I, I would favor New Orleans in this game. Um, Bengals at Titans, Bengals laying two and a half, kind of getting out to three. Um, Bengals weren't impressive Monday night either. I think Burrow, you know, the thing that I said is I think Burrow is, um, Burrow is a bad injured quarterback. I think he's a lot like Dak Prescott where when healthy, terrific, makes great decisions, good enough physically to do it. Uh, when hurt, Guys like Mahomes, guys like Allen, guys like Herbert are just so much more physically gifted. They can overcome those things with their arm strength and things like that. Guys like Burrow, to me, are not necessarily good enough to do that. So uh, that that's my worry. Um, Titans are banged up too. Uh, and so I, I don't know if I'll spend much more than what's on Red Zone watching this game. Uh, but it's interesting, right? Because both teams are at one and two. Uh, the winner will be back in the thick of the AFC playoff race. The Titans were thoroughly manhandled by Cleveland uh, last week. Um, Chicago getting three in Denver. It was three and a half. I can't, I mean, they, they have to be, I mean, I think this is plain, but the bears are the first team in NFL history to be three and a half point home underdogs at any point to a team that gave up 70 points the week before. I mean, this is, I, I don't know what you do if you're Chicago here, if you can't put up points and keep this game close, it might start at, people might start asking questions. And again, if you look at, if you look at the, um, Sumer Sports Show from earlier, the the Wednesday before opening day. My basic thing about the Bears was, I like I like Ryan Poles. I think Matt Eberflus is a fine head coach. What I what I was worried about was their their fan base making so much of this season that it was going to get it was going to get people fired when it was not appropriate to get people fired. And and I, that's what I get worried about. If you start zero and four. Um, in a year like this, in an NFC like this, people start asking questions. I I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen about Sean Payton either, although I think Payton, of course, is far more safe. I don't have a rooting interest in this game or or even I and I at this point, I, I think Chicago is probably better than being three point home underdogs to uh, a Miami team that just gave up 70. But I, I also have viability issues with the with the Bears. Um, let's go to comments here before we get to some other games. Um, actually some really good comments here. Um, uh, mass here when a bad rushing team meets a bad rush defense, who has the advantage? Uh, I think when both are bad defense has an advantage. Um, yeah, I think the weak links are stronger on offense. The weak link, the dependence on weak links are stronger on offense. Meaning again, like if I have five offensive linemen and they're, and they're, they're all kind of weak. Um, there's more, I, I only really need one good defender to exploit that. And so that, that's my point. I think it's bad to be bad at both, but I think run defense is a little bit more strong link and hence you can have one player play really well and blow up an offense. Whereas if a right guard is manhandling somebody, you still need the four other guys to be, you know, to be viable in order for the offense to be good. Tim Bryan has a good question. I actually don't know the answer to this. Any guesses, theories on what this year's big data bowl topic would be? Back in the day, I used to work with with Michael Lopez uh, a little bit. Um, 
and uh, and uh, you know to help them with PFF data. I'm not with PFF anymore, um, and so uh, I don't even know if PFF's working with them anymore. I know that uh, you know Mike had a, a tweet about them firing interns and stuff, so I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, um, if you look at the past ones, it was sort of like you had coverage, you had wide receiver routes, you had running backs, you had offensive defense aligned. So, you know, you could think you can do a process of elimination and look at what could possibly happen there. Um, let's look. <laughs> Who's worse, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields? I think Fields is much better than, than Wilson. I think that was true the whole time as well. Um, a lot of people, um, a lot of people are talking uh, in the chat now. This is pretty cool. Uh, this is a good question. So random question, what is the win probability in the decision to defer to take the ball in the second half? Follow up, approximate breakdown of the edge, knowing game state versus, versus edge from seeing opposing team scheme. Yeah, so that's how.d. Um, Tej brought this up in the chat. Like, So the team that gets the ball first covers the first half spread a little around 55%. Now, I actually have to go look back at that data because I'm just taking his word for it. Because a lot of really sharp bettors will actually wait till the coin toss, get that information, and bet it before the kick. So I don't know if it's pre. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like, I don't, like, I don't, I'm not exactly sure, uh, uh, you know, um, but I do think there is an advantage in the first half of having the ball, which means there's probably an advantage in the second half of having the ball. Um, I'll have to look at that. I think it's minimal um, at best uh, to, to defer to the second half, but I think it's the right decision to do so because you do want more information. So it's, it's one of those examples of like, for example, if you're up seven at, after a touchdown, should you go for two to, to raise it up to nine or should you kick the PAT to make it eight? It's basically break even, but as an analytics person, I would prefer to keep, if I'm, if I have the ball, I prefer to go up eight because then there's information hidden from my opponent as they come back. Do they know if that two-point conversion is going to hit or not when they're done? And that kind of ruins their strategy. Conversely, the whole reason you go for two down eight is so that you have the information about if I get that second touchdown, go for two, do I make it? Well, I want to have that information on the first touchdown so that when I'm with five seconds left in the game, I'm not all of a sudden needing an onside kick to get two points. So um, I, I don't, a uh, good question. I'll have to look at the data. I might, I, I believe it's, it's break even, but teams defer because they want to have the information about how the first half went before they have the ball in the second half. Um, okay. Uh, let's, let's talk a few about a few more games. Uh, Dolphins bills is just going to be phenomenal, right? I mean, we've all seen this before. Um, some people have bet the Bills out to three, and some people have bet the the Dolphins back out to two and a half. That's basically um, that's basically been the the story of the week. A lot of people are incredulous about the fact that the Dolphins are even underdogs in the first place. Which look, the Dolphins so far this season have played the Chargers, who you know they couldn't stop the Chargers really, other than on the last drive. So there there were some warts defensively for them. In fact, I thought that New England in week two on them. They had a pretty decent success rate. They just couldn't make big plays. And I think that's more of a, of a 
product of the New England offense being bad than Denver's, uh, sorry, Miami's defense being good. And then last week, Denver did move the ball some on the Dolphins. It was just masked by the fact the Dolphins scored 70 points. Um, no, I believe one of the safeties is out for Buffalo. So we are going to see DeMar Hamlin, I think, this week, which is cool. Um, you know, I tend to think about, like, you know, when, and I know I, I might piss some people off when I say this, but, like, when every media member who doesn't bet is mad about a point spread, I'm gen, like, and the point spread doesn't move, you know, right? So when you get, and, I, and I'm not going to name names, but when every single media member who's not making models or putting a number on a game is like, how the hell is Miami somehow underdogs in this game? There's probably some wisdom in, there's probably some wisdom in either A, not betting Miami. I think that's probably the, the big one. A, not not betting Miami. Uh, both people said Jordan Poyer. I was going to say Micah Hyde. So I'm glad that I, I hedged there. Uh, I remember seeing that and I forgot the name. Um. I, I don't think that's enough, by the way, to beat the VIG. I don't think it's enough to to say, okay, all these people are on such and such, let's fade them. No, you have to have a reason. But I do think it's a reason if I like a, if I like a team and a bunch of people are kind of naively getting to that same conclusion, I will think twice. I will try to go and examine if I'm missing something in a matchup like that. This will be a great matchup. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, it'll probably be on my you know one of my TVs. Now, now, interestingly, Cleveland now negative, you know, minus two against Baltimore. This thing was all the way out to three, three and a half, but now we have the news that Deshaun Watson uh, is questionable with the shoulder. I'm getting info that he's probably out. Um, in which case, I mean, I don't know. Baltimore's got a lot of issues. You have Stanley, Williams, Humphrey. I, you know, there. This is a mass unit, and and I think with Lamar. You know, he's going to be moving around a lot on Sunday. And, you know, does he stay healthy? Does he get hurt? Um, uh, who knows? Um, Ryan Ryan said, Eric, we would never root for minor injuries to players. We have never uh, – we have prop unders on never. I, I agree with that. That's uh, um, that's uh, interesting. Um, okay. Uh, okay. So I'm, uh, yeah, so somebody said, you know, this is this is just a, you know, these are people I just talked to, but their public reports have Watson probably in. Look, the betting market, like, here's a good question to have um, for the for the audience, and maybe I'll pose this here and see what you guys think. Watson, so the, the, the number has moved from three and a half to two. Uh, so you're basically crossing three and adding a, a, a small probability. So it's, it's moved, you know, let's estimate this 20 or 10%. That the the probability that Cleveland will win this game in the markets on this news has moved 10%. Is that too much or too little? Uh, is it too much if Watson's in? Yes, I think so, right? Is it too little if Watson's out? I, I don't know. I actually think Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, Kevin Stefanski, as well as how bad Deshaun Watson has been, means that that number's pretty... Like I actually think that the, that, that market number is closer to an indication that Watson's out. So um, somebody's a difficult says it was, oh, difficult here. It was three, never three and a half. Okay, got it. So never mind. So that's that's moving it down. Yeah, it's more like than five or 6%. So like, okay, then uh, then I think it's still on, on, on um, I think it's still, uh, it's still probably an indication that it's it's a toss up, but yeah, some some information uh, that you know uh, that, that that I've gotten is is 
is not great for Watson. But uh, public reports is difficult to said as Watson probably in. So we'll see. Um, uh, never bat 100 on those or 1,000 on those. So um, cool. All right, let's talk about a different game. Um, let's talk about Pittsburgh, Houston. You know, Pittsburgh's minus three right now. They did have some travel issues coming out of Las Vegas. I don't think that affects them that much. Houston had a really good performance by the quarterback, uh, CJ Stroud, last week. And that beat, you know, Jacksonville. Um, now, they're still hugely banged up. They're still, they still have a lot of issues, both offense and defense. Um, yeah, it just doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem like a, uh, like a game that I, I'm going to really have a firm opinion on. Like, I, 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 I was very much on the Steelers uh, as people who watched me on the hammer. Uh, I, I thought that they should have been the team that was the favorite last week. Uh, who knows if I was right? I was just, you know, they, they did win though. Um, and, you know, I think Houston, Houston was the, the against many people in Survivor last week, Jacksonville. And, and so I think that, um, you know, I do think you see somewhat of a letdown from Houston, but you also might see a letdown from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is, is not a great football team. Um, and the quarterback needs to play better, I think, in order for this thing to, to turn around and be, uh, and be good. Um, okay, let's move on to some other games. Uh, you know, Rams, Colts, it looks like we're going to get Anthony Richardson. Colts are still a, a point underdog in that game. Um, I think the shine is a little bit off this Rams team. Stafford looks pretty good, but then he still kind of has those errors that when they won the Super Bowl, he led the league in interceptions tied with Trevor Lawrence. It's fine because they had so many other great players. I think Stafford has to give you, in order for this Rams team to win nowadays, Stafford has to give you all of those great things that he's he's done his whole career, right? Those, I mean, when you look at him, the arm talent is phenomenal, but he can't make those mistakes anymore. And week one against Seattle, he didn't make those mistakes. They won comfortably. They, he kept them in the game for most of the time against San Francisco. Some of those mistakes gave San Francisco the opportunity to win by margin. And then last week against Cincinnati, it got, it got you know, it got away from Los Angeles because Stafford made some mistakes, but they were in the game in the first place because Stafford is is phenomenal. Um, and yeah, difficult has a has a good statement here. Somebody was relentlessly betting Texans spread last week, and they're doing it again this week. Yeah, that that number, by the way, when people looked at Jacksonville, that was like eight eight and a half. I think it closed a flat seven. So yeah, there's people betting Houston. And look, like I I've said this on this air, and actually I think if you go to SuperSports.com and, and look at the AFC South preview, the Houston when healthy, Houston's not a travesty of a roster. Like this, they have some players, and Tank Dell and some of the guys they drafted. Tank Dell um, is you know is pretty good. Obviously, Damian Pierce is a running back that that is not terrible. Um, so I yeah I think that you know as, you know Anderson secondary without Stingley yeah. I, I mean, if you talk about them at full strength, I don't think it's awful. I think if you if you look at them when they're injured, that was you know they're going to struggle. Although they they were very they performed incredibly well um, against uh, against um, you know Jacksonville last week. Uh, difficult brings up a good point here. Austin Deckless against Watt and Highsmith. Yeah, I mean that's tough. Highsmith has actually performed really well this year across from Watt. Watt is obviously continuing. Not only being a great pressure guy, but a great pressure to sack conversion guy uh, this year. Los Angeles Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles Chargers. I, and this is part of my my thought process on this game. Uh, Chargers are favored by five, five and a half. 
uh, five, yeah, not five. It was five and a half at times earlier. Um, when I think about the Chargers, uh, that to me is like a survivor pick. I don't mind if you're still in survivor. A lot of people got knocked out by Jacksonville last week. The, my only concern is when I look at, um, you know, are you bake, how are you baking in home field advantage, right? Like the Chargers already don't have a ton of home field advantage, and there's a lot of Raiders fans in Los Angeles. Remember, like Ice Cube and all of his friends were Los Angeles Raiders fans back in the 80s and 90s. And, and, and Raiders fans, even though the team has left like three cities already, they still are pretty loyal. So you, I think you have to be mindful of what the home field advantage is in that game um, if you're going to pick them for survivors and like pick them in your pool. Um, and, and Ryan says something really interesting. Laying points here with LAC is painful for anybody involved. Absolutely. That, that's another, another huge issue. Uh, New England-Dallas. A little bit of money on New England. This is depending on where you look. Like Pinnacle, for example, uh, they have uh, New England plus seven, minus one twenty-four. So that's like a six and a half, basically everywhere else. Um, so I, I think that um, I, you know, I think that uh, people people are giving New England a lot of credit. I, and I'm not exactly sure where it's come from. They hung tight with a Eagles team that I don't think is in great form. They, I, they, they've given the the Dolphins at least offensively the Dolphins' biggest challenge so far. But offensively, you know, they they lift a finger in that game and they probably uh, at least cover the number, if not win outright. So that's tough. And then last week. Um, like they did what the Bills should have done that Monday night when Rodgers got hurt. Just get to midfield and punt all but one of your drive, all but two or three of your drives, and then play great defense. And that's what they did. That's not going to work against Dallas. I think it's also going to work. Um, it's not going to work as much uh, against um, you know a Dallas team that's coming off of a loss. And and you know this team, you know, it does things like last week where they lose to Arizona, but they but they you know you win twelve games consecutive years. There's a lot of competency there. Uh, I think Dak rebounds. I think that uh, they're, they're deeper at receiver than they have been in the past with Cooks and 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 uh, Lamb and guys like that. So I don't know if New England's defense is going to have the kind of success they have against most teams uh, because they're deep there. A good question by uh, Richard Machio or Machado. Uh, how much is home field advantage crowd noise versus weather and climate? This has been always a tough question. Uh, I know Rufus Peabody about three years ago when, when he was talking about uh, on air the um, – the uh, Bucks Packers conference title game. He showed the research paper from a few years ago that talked about how the the differences in ambient temperature do influence uh, game outcomes. Uh, the effect size is not terribly high, but that there is something there. So, do, to, so to the point of Ryan, it's the travel. It's not the travel though, and I think that the reason that that Rufus brought this up back all those days, all those years. Uh, three years ago was in 2020, we saw no, almost no home field advantage. Um, the book uh, Scorecasting, which I think is back here somewhere, um, talked about, you know, basically referee bias. Uh, I think Michael Lopez showed the, the director of data and analytics, senior director of data analytics for the, the NFL showed, you know, differentials and in pass interference penalties called to which sideline. So there's all these like kind of the refer it's referee bias is what it is. And, and they showed it, I think, even a little bit more in baseball than they're been able to in football. And so when you had a, you know, when you had a lack of crowd noise in 2020, you saw basically a, a, dec a decrease to zero in home field advantage. And it all came from offenses, uh, you know, offenses 
performing better as road teams. So that was the crowd noise type of thing, as well as like a, 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 a tightening of officiating differences. So that's kind of where it comes from. So there is there is something too like if the crowd is predominantly Raiders fans in that Chargers game, then who knows what's going to happen. Uh, difficult says Bosa surely not healthy. Eckler doubtful. Derwin doubtful. Lindsay out. I yes. I think I think Jimmy G though being banged up. Um, I don't think Jimmy G's a great injured quarterback. And and um, I don't think that the Raiders. I mean, I, let's just put it this way: Opening day last year, the Raiders were four and a half win underdogs uh, in the same building. I don't even with everything being said, I don't think that the Chargers have only gained half a point on the Raiders over the past. Uh, 13 months that that's kind of how i see it um not enough to you know not enough for for me to like tell everybody that that this is a discrepancy that's huge but um but uh it's it just that that would be the one side i think about in survivor because everybody else is 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 gonna if you're playing circus survivor is playing on thanksgiving or christmas uh that you would want um bob bad gravity got to assume that dallas bounces back this week dallas can't play down to competition two weeks in a row right i mean a lot of money has been lost thinking that way, but I don't hate it. I, I, I think that they bounce back. I think that they got caught off guard last week. Yeah, and like let, let's let's leave it. I mean, let's not let's not avoid this. Jonathan Gannon has gotten the Arizona Cardinals to play incredibly hard, um, and they've had leads in the second half of all three games. And I think that that's something to notice. Um, will it ever translate to things when they have a uh, a, a more stocked roster? Who knows? But I think it's a, at least an encouraging start for his coaching regime. Um, in in uh, Arizona and Phoenix uh, here, so Glendale. Let's let's call it what it is. Uh, Niners, Cardinals. Niners are fourteen point favorites. I don't think I don't see much there. Jets, Chiefs. Like, okay, the Taylor Swift thing's gonna be cool. She'll be in MetLife. I actually am going to Minnesota next week. You're gonna have. We're just gonna do a, a rebroadcast. I'm going to Minnesota to uh, for a party for my book, Football Analytics with Python and R. Um, I'm going to be going to the Vikings game. I'm going to the Gophers game, Vikings Chiefs game. Uh, and it's funny because I figured the Vikings being winless would make, you know, if I'm, I wanted to buy my tickets last minute, uh, the, but the Taylor Swift thing is kind of putting, so I, I don't know which competing factor is is going to win out in that one. But uh, I, when I think about this game, I think that the Jets have to match up Sauce Gardner on Travis Kelsey. I think he's big, physical. Now they, they have not done this with him. They almost always make him play a side if, um, uh, if uh, you know, it, they always almost always make him play a side. So I'm kind of like, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm a little bit nervous about, um, you know, that particular thing, because I think, you know, not that Sauce Gardner can knock Travis out of the or not that he can like knock him out of the passing game. Like, I, it, but even if he makes him like 10 percent less efficient, can Marquez Valdez, Gantling, Rasheed Rice. Uh, Kadarius Tony, to a lesser extent, he only played two snaps the other day, and Sky Moore play up to the 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 requisite against a pretty good defense and against a good pass rush. Can Jawan Taylor stay on sides? I know that he's been kind of unfairly maligned, but I I think this is going to be kind of a slugfest. I think if you lay the half with the Chiefs, you very very well may win. Um, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be a grind. I think it's going to be much more like the Jacksonville 17-9 game than it is about the Bears 41-10 game. Um, yeah, I, I just think 
I think the Jets defense is pretty good and has a lot of pride. And and I think the Chiefs offense is still figuring things out. So that's going to be an interesting game. I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to see the Vikings and the Chiefs play uh, in that beautiful stadium in Minneapolis the following week. Okay, this is the last one. And I have um, I have a little bit of an opinion on this one. This one was weird because Seattle against New York. Seattle was opened kind of, or look ahead was like one and a half point favorites. And then it reopened at the Giants being like one and a half point favorites and the Seattle being an underdog. And when I was kind of looking at this and prepping for some shows this week, you know, the Seahawks are banged up, right? Abraham Lucas, uh, Charles Cross, you know, um, always something, always a little something with Tyler Lockett, you know, just kind of week to week stuff. Uh, but and obviously Jamal Adams has not been fit enough to play. Uh, Tariq Woolen out. They're going to get Woolen back, it looks like, uh, from the public reports, um, which is interesting. And then I look at the Giants and like, yeah, they're they're pretty good on the defensive front. Defense, they're starting young guys in the back end. Linebackers, I'm not like crazy. I, I think Bobby Okereke, Okereke is like an you know okay player. Certainly signed a good contract. But then the other part is Saquon Barkley is like, if he's going to play, he's not healthy. And we've seen Saquon Barkley play when not healthy. Uh, everybody was you know confusing him with Devontae Booker two years ago. So when I look at this Giants team, I like what I saw from Jalen Wyatt at times the last uh, against the Cardinals. I think Daniel Jones is tough as hell. They're also without, you know, either Evan Neal's, you know, Evan Neal is out or has been out, but he also hasn't been good when he's been playing. Like, I just, and I know it's hard to go on the road, West Coast to East Coast. There was an angle for a long time, West Coast, East Coast for early, for them, early uh, uh, primetime games. A lot of that stuff's, you know, been, been, been accounted for now. I, I think I, I like Seattle in this one. Seattle starting three and one after losing to um, the Rams in an auspicious fashion in week one would certainly be a nice come up for them and a good one for Geno Smith as he's on year one of his new contract. So um, this has been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed this. Um, the The only thing I'll ask before I go is smash the like button, smash the subscribe button. We're almost up to 2,500 subscribers on YouTube. We're almost up to 10,000 followers on Sumer Sports at Sumer Sports on Twitter. I'd love to get to 10,000 followers by the end. My my guys, Sean Syed, Tej Seth, Parker Fleming, doing fantastic work getting you guys all the stats and the data. SumerSports.com, uh, my 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 Friday article where I go through one thing I'm buying, one thing I'm selling, uh, and some some trends I'm monitoring this week. I'm selling the idea of the Tush Push um, being uh, you know that big of a deal. Uh, that that's what I'm looking at. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it just, you know, help us grow the show. Hopefully you guys like the content uh, and, and we'll, we'll continue to bring it to you in, in the way only Sumer can. Really appreciate all of you uh, uh, for coming. Richard Mach, thank you. Like like you for doing all this. Thank you for doing all this. Like and subscribe. Parker is so great. Elite mind in the space. Absolutely. I agree with that. He's a pleasure to work with every single day. Oh, good point. So, so Mass asks, why did Sumer Sports take down those preview graphics retweeted earlier today? Um, there was an error in one of the one of the columns. So uh, I think if you go back, if you go to Sumer Sports and actually look at the, uh, yeah, now I'll, I can actually just bring this up here. If you go to Sumer Sports for the preview article, um, let me present that real quick here. Uh, if you go to SumerSports.com and you go to the weekend preview for week four, 
uh, it'll have those back updated here um, for all the games. There was a, a small error uh, in, uh, we had one column that was run defense when it was supposed to be pass defense. And so we had them flip. So we just eliminated them uh, from Twitter. But thank you, know, thank you for pointing that out, Mass. Uh, we'll have it corrected. Um, Bad Gravity, liking the book, Eric, thank you. Um, and Brandon Brops, surprisingly high watch score for Giants um, Seattle. Subscribe to the newsletter. Yes, thank you. So we have over a thousand subscribers to the newsletter now. We're really comfortable with that. Yeah, I think the thing with the Giants and the the Seattle is neither team is that bad. So if both teams are decent, that helps. The, the spread being close to zero helps. And the total is not small. The total is in the uh, mid or mid 40s uh, uh, up there. Uh, good question here from Ryan. I actually gave us a, a talk at University of Minnesota last year to their data science math department. Got to meet a lot of people in the football. PJ Fleck fan or annoyed? I mean, look, the Gophers are better than when I was a kid and growing up in Minnesota. So I, um, I, I'm, you know, he's he's much better than like Tim Brewster. He's much better than some of these other guys I've had. The, the the way he manages the clock is not great, and yet I think in the Big Ten he can hide that a little bit because there the games are all low scoring. But there are games where, like the Northwestern game, where they they mismanage the time so badly that they they end up losing a game they should win. So I think Fleck on average is positive. I think he recruits well. I think he's grown the stature of that program. I think in game, he should hire one of you and have him standing next to you and be able to tell him, uh, you know, sort of how to handle the clock situation in college football. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they had a 21 point lead in Northwestern. Not only did they lose, but they lost a three touchdown lead to them. So um, cool. Uh, like I said, sumersports.com, subscribe to the newsletter, subscribe to all of our, our great content. It would not be possible for me to do the show, for anybody to do uh, what they do without loyal listeners and without loyal followers like you. So I appreciate you greatly. So for Eric Eager, this has been episode 108 of the Sumer Sports Show.